Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I want to talk to preachers. I want to talk with you about developing a planned program of preaching and why I think that is important and is helpful to the entire ministry of your church. Now you say, well, I'm not a preacher. Okay, I'll skip the podcast this week. No, I hope you won't. I hope you'll listen to it for the purpose of understanding how you can work with your preacher, uh, your pastor, to cultivate momentum for the total ministry of your church that comes out of the preaching ministry. So while the podcast today is really focused on pastors and preachers, it has broader application that I hope all of you will listen to and appreciate. First of all, what is a planned program of preaching? Well, it's an intentional schedule of preaching themes, subjects, and texts that guides the worship planning, the program planning, and influences the total ministry of the church. That's why this podcast is for everyone. A planned program of preaching is an intentional schedule of preaching themes, subjects, and texts that guides worship planning, program planning, and influences the total ministry of a church. When you plan your preaching well and execute that plan thoroughly, it should have an impact on much of the ministry of a church, influencing its worship, its programs, and its uh, activities. We'll describe that more fully in just a few minutes. First of all, though, what are some advantages of a planned program of preaching? Well, I have several. First, it removes the anxiety of what do I preach? You don't have to worry about what to preach because you've already planned that out or mapped that out, and you just execute the plan. So there's no Saturday night anxiety of what do I come up with for this Sunday. A second positive advantage is it saves time in preparation. Now, how does it do that? Well, several ways. First, it limits the background study for each message. So if you're preaching on a different theme and a different book of the Bible and a different uh, uh, kind of literature every different week, you have a massive amount of preparation to do. Massive amount. But if you're preaching through a section of Scripture or through a book of the Bible or even preaching from several different places in the Bible but the same genre, then you have limited preparation or less preparation because the background study for the messages is essentially all the same. It also saves time because it provides continuity of study from day to day and week to week so that you set aside your study time each week and you simply study and fill up all of your study time. This is one of the things that veteran preachers understand that sometimes novice preachers don't quite get. Studying week to week is a recipe for disaster in preaching. You need to study um, an amount of time every week and out of that amount of time produce your messages. And you should be studying more than just for the message for Sunday, but studying the entire continuity of your study in such a way that it brings about the messages. So that when you 
finished studying a text and you've developed your message and you still have more study time on the calendar, you just keep studying because now you're working ahead and you're continuing to work on the future messages because you're working through a study plan, not studying day to day or week to week. Another way it saves preparation is it allows you to, uh, uh, for material to be gathered and saved for later use. So that if you say that you're going to preach a series of messages on stewardship for the first six weeks of the year, but in October or November, you come across some good articles on stewardship or some good illustrations about stewardship, you just say, wow, that's coming. And you pull those articles or that information, you file it, and you know you have it. So you're able to put material aside because you know what's coming in the preaching plan, and you can gather them and save them for later use. This means that you don't have to spend time... uh, all your time or an inordinate amount of time while you're doing your preparation, casting about for this kind of background material because you've already been gathering it. So these are just some suggestions of how a planned program saves time in preaching. It also, number three, compensates for major interruptions. Now, everyone who preaches week to week knows that there are no normal weeks, that there are always interruptions, and sometimes there are major interruptions. Like, for example, someone in your church leadership unexpectedly will have a death in their family, or there will be a ministry crisis that erupts in your church that you were not expecting, or you or one of your children or your spouse will get sick or have an accident or have some massive school project that requires an extra amount of focus time. There are always major interruptions that are going to impact a preaching ministry. Now, they don't happen every week, but they always happen at the worst possible time. And so if you're just preparing sermons week to week and you're coming up with your plan week to week, anytime one of these major interruptions happens, it will throw you completely uh, off schedule and throw you uh, behind in your preparation and create massive amounts of anxiety and even cause you to wonder, what am I going to do about Sunday because I have zero time this week to study? Well, if you've been doing your work well and you're one, two, or even three weeks ahead in your message preparation, no problem. Because now you can absorb a major interruption because you planned for it in terms of laying out a planned program of preaching. A fourth advantage of a planned program is it contributes to greater balance in preaching. Now, this is true for all of us. We tend to default to our favorite subjects, our default to our favorite books of the Bible, or our favorite texts. But when you plan out your program, It will help you because you will be forced to think about what have I preached in the past? What do we need to hear again? What are some themes, ideas, areas of the Bible, sections I've been ignoring? And how can I bring those into a planned program? It also means that difficult texts or subjects are less likely to be ignored. So, for example, if you say, I'm going to preach through the book of Philippians, eventually you're going to get to church fellowship and money. And you're not going to be able to avoid them. And it may be that in God's mysterious providence, the very week that you arrive at uh, the passages in Philippians 4 about conflict in the church, you may have had some erupt in your church. And people will say, wow, pastor was courageous. And you'll think, not really. God was just good. He had me plan. He had, he had it prepared in my plan for me to preach at the same time this was erupting in my church. It also means you won't ignore difficult texts. If you announce that you're going to preach the book of Hebrews, good news, chapter 6 is coming. 
One of the most challenging passages of Scripture in the entire Bible is in Hebrews chapter 6. But you can't skip it because you're preaching through the book. And when you get there, you're going to have to talk about it. I've learned over the years that people are not as offended. I said as offended. I did not say not offended. People are not as offended or suspicious when you preach on a difficult subject as part of a preaching plan. So, for example, I had a situation when I was a pastor where I was preaching uh, through a section of Scripture that addressed the issue of divorce. And, as you might know, the Sunday that I was to preach on that passage of Scripture, that week, two different families in our church announced that they were getting divorces. Now, one of those, I had some sense that it might be coming. The other one, quite frankly, caught me completely off guard. I didn't know anything was happening negative in that family, and I had no idea this was going to be announced. But our church wasn't that large, only a few hundred people. And when these two divorces made the news or made the grapevine or got out there on uh, <laughs> on the public uh, uh, social uh, media sites and all of that, well, when that happened, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, do you have any courage here? Because you are, you've are you been preaching through this book of the Bible. The next section is on divorce. And you got to preach on it Sunday. You can't skip it. And so I didn't. And I stood up and I preached about divorce and responding to divorce and ministering to divorced people and tried to preach as prophetically and yet as compassionately as I could on this subject. Afterwards, multiple people came up to me and said, wow, thank you for taking that on, particularly this Sunday. And several also said, I knew that was coming up in your series. I wondered how you'd handle it. Thanks for sticking by the Bible. Thanks for staying with the plan. So it contributes to greater balance in preaching when you have a planned program. You can't skip difficult texts. You can't skip difficult subjects. You can't skip things that happen when they're, in the, when they're in the Bible and they happen to be also going on in your context. In fact, you'll step back and marvel at God's capacity to line up your preaching with what he knew was coming into your ministry situation. Uh, another positive of a planned program is it provides continuity for the congregation. They know what's coming. Now, not everyone in your church does this, but some people actually do listen to you and pay attention to what you're saying and read the passages that you're preaching from and go home and meditate on them and think about the passages before and after. And those people who are most seriously engaged with the Bible with you will appreciate the continuity that a planned program provides because it helps them to know uh, what's coming next and how they can prepare themselves to be better recipients of the Word of God. Another plan advantage of a planned program is it prevents preaching, premature preaching, on current events. It prevents premature preaching on current events. Now, this is always a tension or a challenge because you wonder, what should I preach on that's happening in our world and what should I pass over in my preaching ministry? Now, this may surprise you, but as my ministry has grown over the years, I find myself trying to address current events less and less in my preaching. Now, that does not mean that I do not address those current events in other ways, even in a worship service. For example, it's very appropriate to say 
our world has been rocked this week by a school shooting or by a uh, natural disaster or by the loss of a beloved leader. Our world has been rocked by this, or our community has faced this controversy or this difficulty this week. Let's take just a moment and acknowledge that and pray for our community or our country or for the situation that I'm that you might be referencing. And then pray over that as a part of your worship service. I have found that this is perhaps a better way to respond to current events than feeling the pressure to always preach on them. Now, that does not mean that I never preach on current events, that I never set aside my plan. Yes, of course I do. There are some times when you just simply have to set the plan aside and you have to preach on what's going on in the world right now. As I'm making this podcast, uh, we're just a few days past the Super Bowl, and of course there was a uh, shooting at the parade after the Super Bowl in Kansas City. Here in California, I would not necessarily preach on that I might mention it in a worship service and lead prayer about it, but if I were in Kansas City, I would definitely be preaching on that the following Sunday. Why? Because it's in my community. It's something very real and powerful where I'm living, and it's my opportunity to preach on themes related to what just happened in our community. So this is just an example of different ways in different contexts you might handle uh, the same situation. So it prevents premature preaching. It means that you don't rush to preach on every current event. It holds you back just a little bit. It prevents it, and it gives you the time to measure and think about how to best respond in acknowledging one of these situations. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that another advantage is that a planned program of preaching impacts more than just what's said on Sunday, but it impacts worship planning and program planning and the total work of the church. So the final two advantages are these. It provides a a framework to plan cohesive worship services. When you are laying out a worship service, you want the components of it to fit together. You want the music, the preaching, the prayers. You want the scripture and scripture reading. You want any testimonies, any acknowledgments. If you use things like creative dance or movement, if you are using video, uh, if you're doing anything at all like this, you want it all coordinated together where it is contributing to creating and communicating the same message. I like to imagine a worship service as an inverted triangle, and the point at the bottom is not the sermon. The point at the bottom is the response of the people to the worship experience. And so the sermon is near the end of the point, but it's not the point. It's, the, it's part of bringing people to their final moment of response where you ask them to do something, learn something, change something, be something based on the worship service experience, that inverted triangle. Now, you're not going to be able to integrate all of those aspects of a worship service if you don't do some good planning and tell the people who are helping you with the worship service planning where you're going at least three months in advance. More than that for very large churches. So, 
let's say that you're going to preach four messages on the family uh, in a uh, at a particular season during the life of the church, and during those four weeks, you want to get testimonies of people who've had family healing in their relationships that they've lived through. Uh, you want to have tributes to family members like grandparents or people like that. Uh, you want to have some activity in the church that supports the family messages. Like, for example, you may want to have a, a retreat for engaged couples, or you may want to have a marriage retreat for all ages in your church. You may want to have a grandparenting seminar on how to grandparent well, and you may want to have uh, something, uh, uh, someone come in and present on caring for aging parents. These are all real issues that families are living through today, and you may want to have something about those at some point during your church year. Why not have them as part of this emphasis on the family that you're bringing from the pulpit? So if the emphasis on your planned program of preaching is four to six weeks on the family at a particular time of year, and you can tell your worship leaders three to six months in advance, this is what we're doing, then you can brainstorm and say, what do we want to have in that worship service that will contribute to the momentum we're trying to build to strengthen families? And I've given you several suggestions already here on the podcast as examples, but you can think about the needs of your church, the opportunities that you have for ministry, the challenges people are facing, and you can plan seminars, events, classes, retreats, conferences, all that tie into the theme that you're driving through the church with the preaching moment. Now, don't press this to the point that every single thing has to match up with one of the points of the sermon. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about an overarching emphasis here. So that the worship planning, and now I'm spilling over into my last advantage, and that is that a planned program allows intentionality throughout the ministry of the church, that the, the direction of a church is set by the preaching ministry, not a point-by-point uh, connectivity necessarily, but the emphasis is there. So that for these next few weeks, our church is going to be thinking about the family. And while not every single thing we do will be about the family, much of what we're going to be focusing on relates to building healthier families. And so we will have preaching, we will have testimonies, we'll have songs, we'll have prayers, and then coming out of the worship experience, we're going to have seminars and conferences and training, and we'll be offering this to build better preschoolers, help with aging parents, to strengthen marriages, to support engaged couples. Whatever it is that you might need in your particular context, you can build it coming out of the ministry of the church. Now, this is just about the family. You can do the same thing about a series on stewardship, the same thing about a series on missions. You say, well, what if I'm not preaching a topical series like that? What if I'm preaching through a book of the Bible or through a section of the book of the Bible? Well, go through that book and say, I'm preaching through this series from the book of Matthew, or I'm preaching through this uh, these 10 commandments, whatever it is. And these are the themes I'm going to develop, and we need to think about how we can connect that to the worship experience and then to the broader ministry of our church. So these are some of the advantages of a planned program. I've given you at least eight that help you to know why I think this is important, but there are also some potential disadvantages. So let me mention four of those. First, one disadvantage of a planned program is it can become a dictator rather than a tool, a dictator rather than a tool. A planned program is just, is just a tool. It's to help you to do ministry better. And if it becomes onerous, just stop it. Change directions. Punt. Do something different. You should never lock into a plan and say, 
we've made this plan and we can't change it because we have to work the plan. Well, if the horse is dying, dismount. You don't have to ride an ineffective plan into the ground. So if you've laid out a plan and it's not doing what you hoped it would accomplish or it's going a direction you don't really want to go or something's changed in your context that the plan's no longer effective, just stop. Don't let it be a dictator. Let it be a tool. Second, a plan program, some people feel, can remove spontaneity from preaching. I just felt the Lord lead me to speak on this this week. Well, one of my friends says, be careful about those thoughts because you have to know whether they are perceptions or presumptions. <laughs> you might have a perception, but you might also be making a presumption. Spontaneity certainly needs to be a part of some decision making where you simply say, I just feel the Lord leading me to do this. I've got to do it. And you spontaneously preach on something week after week. Well, be careful there. A planned program can remove spontaneity, but that may not be the worst thing because not all of your immediate ideas are necessarily your best ideas. But there are times when the spontaneous is what must be done. When you have an impression on a Thursday that you got to change everything for Sunday, do it. And if it really is from God, you will learn that from the response that you receive, and you will be able to recognize it again the next time it happens. But spontaneity implies that you're doing something outside the norm or outside the pattern. So make a plan pattern of preaching. Don't let it remove spontaneity, although it should limit it somewhat. But if there is some spontaneous moment that needs to be a part of the preaching plan, make it happen. Another disadvantage of a planned program is it can become tedious for the congregation. It can start to wear people out if it's too long, too detailed, or just simply, frankly, too much. I saw this happen once when I was a church member. Our pastor announced that he was going to preach through the book of Revelation, and he did that. And it went well, and he was preaching through the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings. This was back when we had a Sunday night service, and he was also announced his summer series, which was going to be uh, the Minor Prophets, meaning that he was going to preach one message from each Minor Prophet over the 12 or 13 weeks of the summer. The problem occurred when, through various delays and changes of plan, he did not conclude the book of Revelation on Sunday morning before the summer started, and he had to carry it on into the summer. So for the first several weeks of the summer, it was blood and gore on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We had ju the judgment of God falling on us in every worship service. We had revelation and all that was going on there and the judgments pronounced by the minor prophets and all that was going on there. And I'll never forget this. I was in a meeting with some of the church leaders and the worship pastor said, is there any possible way we can adjust this because I'm drowning in the blood and the gore? <laughs> we all kind of laughed and the pastor said, yeah. I really needed to finish one of these before I started the other one. But it had, it was becoming a little tedious for the congregation, and so he did make a plan to adjust and to get us into a different mode, at least in one of those services. But the primary disadvantage, the primary disadvantage of a plan program is it is a weight of responsibility that many leaders just don't want to carry. It takes a lot of courage 
to get down on your knees and say, God, a year from now, what does my church need to hear from me? And to lay out a planned program to take people someplace through the preaching of the Word of God. That's a weighty responsibility, and some people just don't want that much responsibility. But if you're going to be a preacher of God's Word to people who depend on you to communicate it to them, take the responsibility. Take the responsibility. And while it might seem a little bit of a disadvantage to you because it puts a weight on you, that's a good weight. Carry it well and make a good plan. So the advantages, in my view, far outweigh the disadvantages. And I advocate that you create a planned program of preaching. Now, when you do that, uh, what are some of the elements of this? Well, let me give you some suggestions. Uh, The first and most obvious for many people is a series of messages on a book of the Bible. Like, for example, you say, I'm going to preach through Philippians or something like that. Now, if you're a less experienced preacher and you're just learning how to preach through books of the Bible, preach shorter books and preach longer sections of material even from the shorter books. In other words, don't worry about preaching word by word. Instead, preach paragraph by paragraph or section by section. If you are a more mature or more veteran preacher, you may be ready to take on some of the longer books of the Bible. But if you're just starting out a preaching ministry, do not announce you're preaching through the book of Isaiah verse by verse. That's going to be a multi-year project, and you are going to be very, very tedious in that preaching, and your people will find it to be so as well. So a series on the book of the Bible, uh, a shorter book if you're just starting out with longer passages of Scripture, and then tackle one of these bigger books as you get more experience in preaching. Another way to preach on a longer book of the Bible is to take a section of the Bible. For example, rather than preaching through the Gospel of Matthew, just preach through the Sermon on the Mount. Rather than preaching through the entire book of Revelation, preach on the seven churches of Revelation. Rather than preaching through uh, all of uh, Exodus, just preach on the Ten Commandments. And then when you preach on a section of the Bible, like the minor prophets, don't preach through each minor prophet verse by verse. Instead, pick the key passage of Scripture that you believe encapsulates the message of the prophet and preach on that passage summarizing what's before and after, and then communicating the key message of that minor prophet. We actually did this in Gateway Chapel a year or two ago. We had one of our Old Testament scholars identify the core passage for each of the minor prophets, and we assigned that to guest preachers who were willing to take on the challenge, and we heard a series of messages on the minor prophets, one message per prophet, on the core passage of Scripture which communicated the message of that prophet. It was a very invigorating series of messages. So one way to preach on longer books of the Bible is to preach a series on a section of the Bible like these I've just mentioned. Another series that goes into a planned program is a series on a theme or a topic. I've already mentioned some of these on the podcast. You could preach a theme, a series on marriage, a series on parenting, a series on stewardship, a series on missions. You could pick a theme and put together a series of messages on that theme. Now, I prefer when I do this not to preach a topical message, but to preach a series of expository messages on the same topic. Now, did you get get that difference? 
A topical message is a sermon on a topic. A topical series is a series of expository messages on the same topic. So if you're preaching on something like stewardship or marriage or parenting or missions, you select a passage of scripture on each of these themes and you preach that passage each week until you've preached a series of expository messages on the theme. Another kind of series is a a series on a character or characters in the Bible. For example, one of my wife's favorite series sermons that I've ever preached was a series of messages on the life of David. And then another series, which I found very invigorating, was a series on the 12 disciples, meaning that I preached one message on each of the 12. Now, you may say, well, what about the ones like Peter, James, and John? There's a lot more in the Bible than just one message. I know that, but I picked out one passage on each of the disciples that had something specific to say about them. And in fact, it produced a message that I wound up being the most common or the most oft-preached message out of that series, and it was the uh, the message on Judas, the son of James, and James, the son of Alphaeus. There's not anything really in the Bible about them, and so I developed a message entitled The Ministry of Obscurity, How God Values That Which Is Done in the Shadows. That became a message that I preached many times, especially to people like bivocational pastors and others who work in the shadows. And then, of course, ultimately, it was part of what motivated me to write the book Shadow Christians. And then another part of a planned program are special messages on special days, like Mother's Day, Easter, Christmas, those kinds of days. Uh, Now, you may say, well, do I have to preach a special sermon on every holiday? No, you do not. You do not have to preach a patriotic message on the 4th of July. You can pray for our country and recognize veterans and other kinds of things, but you don't have to preach that every single holiday. So, for example, on Mother's Day, you don't have to preach on motherhood. On Father's Day, you don't have to preach on fathering. I would advise you, if you don't, to make a special part of your service honoring those people, but you don't have to preach the whole sermon on that. But you can also plan a message on those special days, and by doing so, honor uh, the message or the holiday uh, with a special message. Now, one of the ways that I liked to use holidays was as buffer Sundays. In other words, I would plan a series that would lead me up to the holiday, and then I would have Mother's Day, and then I would start another series after uh, Mother's Day that would take me to the next maybe holiday. If I was going to acknowledge the holidays in my preaching plan, I often use them as sort of bumper Sundays to change the narrative, if you will, and uh, not having to do that, not required to do that, but that was one way that I like to use those Sundays as well. Well, I've talked today about creating a planned program of preaching. I think that when you do this, it has the opportunity of not only having all of these advantages of the preaching experience itself, but it also provides continuity in worship planning, and allows for the preaching ministry to impact the total work of a church. When you have a planned program, yes, there are a few disadvantages, but those, in my opinion, can be easily avoided, and the advantages of the planned program implemented in ways that are truly helpful, in fact, even transformational in ministry planning. So if you're a preacher, or you work with one, I hope this podcast will help you as you learn what it means to plan a program of preaching that impacts the total ministry of a church. And in doing so, you will give really evident leadership, intentional leadership, strategic leadership as you lead on.